Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. We have a very special guest today. Um, his name is Patrick Allen Stone from the band Butterside. He is the singer of the band Butterside. And uh, we're happy to have him on. Say hello, Patrick. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. I feel like I'm in New York right now. Oh, you are. You're with two New Yorkers right here. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a good feeling. Hell yeah. All right. So have you ever been to New York? Yeah, many times. Many yeah. times. Yeah. I had a girlfriend for a while who uh, her family was from there. Mm-hmm. And that started the uh, the addiction, really, going back and forth a lot. Her family yeah. had some money, so we would we would fly over and visit them like two or three times a year. So I, I spent some time there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Plus touring, you know, we've, we've gone through and played there a few times. Yeah. Sure, sure. Now, Butterside's yeah. been around for a few years. And yeah. you're on your second album that came out, uh, I believe, this past March, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, how did you get into music? What was your what's your story? Uh, my sister's uh, record collection. She had, a, she had a stack of LPs and I think Highway to Hell was on top and then Boston was <laughs> underneath and Tattoo You from the Stones. And <laughs> she just had the greatest taste in music. And I'm forever grateful for the fact that uh, she had that, you know what I mean? And she was kind of a rebel. She went out and got tattoos. She stayed out all night, sometimes for days on end. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, she always had a couple boyfriends, never just one. You know, she's yeah. somebody to look up to, you know, yeah. just, uh, she was just awesome. Um, my brother was really into music too. We formed our first band together when we were just kids. You know, my brother got his first drum set and I had a guitar. Uh, we, we talked the guy down the street into like, you know, fronting us, front, fronting, fronting for all the equipment. And all of a sudden we had like a drum set and amps and stuff like that. And yeah, we were, we were giving it a go, but my sister had given me my first guitar also when I was like eight, you know, and I hunched over that thing and really learned how to play on my own before I took any lessons and then doing and then, your Angus uh, Young riffs, right? Right, yeah, no, ACDC is the best. Man. One of my all-time <laughs> favorites. Yeah, we, we've you, done shows on them. Yeah, if yeah. you can learn, if you've learned three chords, you can figure out most of their songs. That's know? true. That's very true. <laughs> not, not, not that you can ever play them as well as they do. There's something about the way they play it. You know, it might be simple, but there's, it's, you know, punching the punching somebody in the face is simple too. But if you're Muhammad Ali, it's one thing. It's if a little bit different. You know, yep. If you're Herman, it's it's a total. Totally <laughs> Where did you grow up, Pat? Uh, Northern California, my man, right outside of Santa Cruz, a little town called Saratoga. Wow, that's amazing. I spent some time in Los Gatos about 30 years ago. That's uh, where I was born. Saint, really? Uh, yeah, the Samar- uh, Samar- Good Samaritan Hospital right there in Los Gatos. Okay, is where I, was okay. I spent a few months there. It was a girl I was, I was going with, and she was from there. She, she was going to school here at the Parsons School of Design. Awesome. And she, yeah, she was an artist, and I spent a couple of months with her while in between semesters. And uh, to be honest with you, beautiful country, but it didn't suit me, man. The people didn't like me too much. I oh, was no? like, you know, I was like a, you know, Johnny Thunders platform converse wearing, you know, sp- a spandex pants wearing dude. It just didn't fit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I went. I went down to uh, Haight Ashbury one day. Street, man. I didn't. I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, but. <laughs> No, but I did like it down. It's a beautiful country out there. It really is. It reminds me a lot of, like, you know, Northern California in that area. And, and when you head up to, like, New York, I get, I don't know, there's just something the same, a little bit of the same feeling when the, when the wind's blowing through the trees, you know? Oh, they, have, yeah. they have a couple of things. Very mellow. You know, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so Silicon Valley up there and stuff like that, it is a different mindset for sure. Totally different than New York, you know? Yeah, yeah. Santa Cruz yeah. itself was very nice. I remember that. 
Yeah, really cool town, man. Lots of hippies and stuff like that. Yeah, we would we would go out into the boondocks into like the redwood trees up there uh with our acoustic guitars and you know acid and mushrooms and stuff and we would just oh, we would just sit out there that's with the big stuff that's very big out there a lot of that oh man growing up it was like there were no freeways really running through the town back then so it's like we had yeah. this huge posse of friends i mean we had so many friends and it's funny because my parents would tell me ah none of the friends that you have in high school are going to be your friends for life but i managed to keep quite a few of those guys a lot of them died too you know, yeah. sadly some of them od'd and some of them yeah. suicide you know a lot of my pack uh, deteriorated and disappeared but um but back then it was it was something we were really tight we did a lot of cool stuff up there that was a great place to grow up definitely definitely so how did you get butterside together tell us how you started that you're on your second album already so how long have you, has the band existed and uh how'd you get that started well i think the first time i ever submitted my music for copyrights which was i was still in my teens i called it butterside it was uh it was just this anti-cliche kind of a sensibility kind of, you know, throw, throwing a name out there that just makes no sense that I've made up, you know. And if, if you can get past the name and listen to the music, then I've got you. You know what I mean? It's, it's, gonna... it's a cool name. It, ca- it catches your eye. It does. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, a lot of people ask about the name. It's a, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, a conversation starter for sure. But. But when I was submitting those first tracks, it was like uh, I, I called it that. And so Butterset's kind of been around for a long, a long time. You know, it's 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 seen some different lineups. Uh, Jimmy Bain was from Dio was in the damn group for a while. Uh, wow. Simon Wright recorded uh, with me over at, uh, uh, you know, over in in, in 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 Santa Monica. We recorded uh, some songs together with Jimmy. So. That configuration was there. Some of the guys from Ugly Kid Joe were in the band at one time or another. Great White, okay. even uh, one of the replacements. Wow. This guy Tyler was in the group, and then it's evolved over the years. And then uh, when Lemmy and and Motorhead got behind us, and we finally started recording legitimately, like a real record with with uh, Lemmy's son Paul. Uh, I had brought in my lifelong friends and kind of guys that were in the band from the beginning but off and on you know through those other configurations there was breakups and start overs and i was just aloof i was really doing a lot of dope and uh couldn't really keep the thing focused far enough to get it like i am today yeah but um but yeah it's seen a lot of different uh a lot of different lineups but now i think we've settled on one that's just the perfect fit you know it's everything i've ever dreamed of and uh, we're so excited for everything that's happening now. And we can't wait to start bombarding you with even newer material than we've, you know, we just had an album come out in March and we're, we're planning on releasing new material September 3rd already. Wow. wow. Okay. And this last album, the one that just came out in March is called Spiritual Violence. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to ask you in a little bit about a couple of songs on it. But what I wanted to get to is, and you mentioned uh, the man himself, Lemmy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I know you signed to Motorhead Music, which was basically their label. Yes. And um, he gave he gave his blessing. He, he wanted you on his label. Is that correct? Yeah, he did. I mean, he saw me go through that whole addiction phase. He was there yeah. every every step of the way. You know what I mean? I would I'd go to his house when I was too high to deal with anybody else, and he'd let me come in and we'd play our guitars and video games and stuff like that. He was just always really cool. Yeah. He was the guy that never lost his head. You know, no matter how right. much, no matter how hard he was going, he was. He was always Lemmy, you know what I mean? And yeah, and, and and 
me and Rob are you know, tremendous Lemmy fans and tremendous Motorhead fans. I've, I've seen them probably 15 times, give yeah. or take, you know, over yeah. the years. And uh, I missed them a lot. They were just one of these bands that, like the Ramones, that would always come around. And, you know, no matter what was going on in the world, when you saw them, it was, you know, like you were back in time, you know, because they never yeah. changed. Motorhead yeah. never, you know, Lemmy was always cool. Everybody's got a Lemmy story if you met him. Um, I've shared it a few times on the show, but, um, well, you were roadie from Motorhead as well, right? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. In in the midst of all of that, even as high as I was, you know, I was able to keep it cool enough to, uh, to, to, uh, go on the road with them. Yeah. The everything louder than everything else tour. The Um, live album. Yeah. Yes. What was that? 98, 99, something like that. Yeah. Around there. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And you know, just nothing but love in the group, but they were, they were, Really, you know, Lemmy would take me in the back of the tour bus and share his lyrics with me and ask me if I wanted to, if I would change anything, you know, that stuff, stuff like that. It felt like, to me, it felt like uh, it's not something that happens to every person, you know. Um, and he encouraged me to be on stage and not behind it. And so did the rest of the band. I mean, Phil Campbell, again, going way back, would wow. uh, sit in on my demos and help me create songs and, you know, uh, Phil, filthy Phil Campbell, the, you know, yes. the guy before before uh, Mickey was over at my house. Often. So the animal you're talking about. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so there was just this, uh, just so blessed. It's so funny because, you know, I didn't even, it's just my, they were just my friends, you know what I mean? It was just like these guys that I hung out with in Hollywood and it was, uh, you know, it wasn't until I got sober and like really set my sights on getting my life where I wanted it to be. And then I got the, you know, the gig with uh, Steven Adler singing, singing with him for, you know, a couple of years and touring all over the world. And, right. uh, you know, when, when Steven decides he wants to do one thing and he takes a left turn in his career, I'd have to follow him. And, you know, I would get on the phone with Todd, our manager, Lemmy's manager, mine as well. And, and I'd vent my frustrations on like trying to get my career where I wanted to go. And every time they'd remind me, you know, hey, when you're ready to do your thing, you know, we believe in you. And we're going to help you out. So I made that call one day. Uh, this was already, I was pretty, like a few years into my sobriety. And, uh, you know, they got behind me, put me in the studio with Paul, and and uh, off we went. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, now, you said that uh, you hung out with um, Lemmy and some of these other friends in Hollywood. Did you go to places like the Rainbow and things like that? Is that where... Yeah. You of course, yeah. of course. Okay. Yeah, I mean, let me let me literally purposely lived, lived in there. <laughs> it, well, yeah, not not only lived in there, but he, you could throw a rock from the porch and hit his front window. Uh, he literally <laughs> lived like it was like one building away, and he did that purposely because he doesn't he doesn't like to drive. He didn't want to own a car, right? Um, so he wanted to be in walking distance from the rainbow. So he got a place where you could literally take him, you know, four minutes to walk home. So, um, you know, whether you were there or, you know, you always, if you were at his pad, you'd always end up at the rainbow. If you're at the rainbow, you'd always end up over at his pad. But, um, yeah, uh, we would run all over the place and I, I had a car, so I was always happy to volunteer. Oh, you know, yeah, he definitely me. liked you for that. Definitely. Yeah. That's I mean, it was any excuse I had to get with him, you know, and we would just sit in the car and drive wherever, doing whatever, whenever, listening to songs on the radio. And he would always change it from one station and he broadened my horizons on like how many, genres were you know i was i was kind of narrow-minded and he would jump from one station to the next style from style to style and appreciate it oh this is a great song you know and it was like aretha franklin and then he'd yeah. jump to another song and he'd be like oh that 
I don't know about Maroon 5, but this song's really good, you know, or we jump over to another one and it was like Red Jacket Apparatus or I think that was her name, <laughs> Red, Red uh, anyway, just, yeah. ev- he knew something about everybody and respected them for a certain something and he found the greatness in so many different styles of music and I think that's what he really liked about us. My first album, the, the first Butterside album was really all over the map as far as genre is concerned. And yes, really I did check it out. And yeah. uh, it, it's, it's definitely kind of, uh, you can't pinpoint one genre in there. It's right. kind of, it's kind of like different sounds, uh, which yeah. is, which, you know, and, and not everybody can pull that off. Sometimes that doesn't come off good, but right. you know, I thought it, I thought it, there was some cohesiveness to it, even if it had different styles. So it's cool. good I'm job really with that. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm really proud we got it out. I'm I'm really I love the I love the album, but at the same time, uh, you know, as we as we're growing up, especially as a band, especially now, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, how much more cohesive, like you just said, that the the follow up record was. Uh, Spiritual violence is definitely definitely going in a certain direction, and when you catch wind of the newest stuff, you're gonna see where we've. You know, it's I finally I think I finally arrived at like okay. understanding what the band is about, what the entire message is, what we're trying to say to people and more importantly to the people I'm working with, what we're selling, you know, as you know, as, as ugly of a word as that is. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. And, you know, you've been you've been mentioning through the through the interview about your sobriety and your times when you were not sober. Um, yeah. I mean, how how bad were you? I mean, as far as you're know, going back in those days. Oh man, I was uh, like, if you don't mind talking about it. Uh, no, it's uh, it's an open book for me. Uh, you know, I was an intravenous junkie. I was slamming dope six times a day. Damn. You know, I was dealing, so I had a backpack full of everything. I was the guy that when I showed up to your house, everybody was just the happiest they could possibly be because yep. <laughs> I had yep. something for everybody. And I was, you know, I was using everything that was in that backpack to keep my mood kind of in a certain space you know so if I, you know i do a little bit of heroin i do a little bit of speed to wake back up i would i drink a couple of bottles of champagne at night uh you know I, i'd hit the bottle of me and my girlfriend at one time we we're we we're pounding like a fifth of jim beam after the champagne and then wow and wow. then the mor- mornings would be a little bit more speed to wake up sometimes a little ecstasy in the afternoons and that was on stop for 14 years and uh I was you are, the guy that, you are one lucky man to be talking to us right now. I know, right? I mean, I've yeah. been, I overdosed a few times and I'd wake up in the hospital and I'd tear the equipment off of me and walk out, you know, before I'd even get to see the doctor because it was just such a fearful, it's just such a nightmare. The whole thing was uh, you know, a nightmare, but I was, I was addicted and a part of me, that, that part of it, the demon was, was in love with that and was dancing with the devil on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of rhythm when it came to that dance. And, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, you know, oftentimes I was, I was the coolest guy in the world because I had this kind of a, you know, thing to me that I was just, you know, so high and cool. And then, you know, fast forward six hours later, and I was, I was the guy that would sit next to you on the couch that you couldn't stand to be with because I couldn't form a sentence. And, you know, yeah. you'd have to kind of laugh along because you didn't understand what I was saying. You know, I was an emaciated of six feet, six foot two. And I, I was probably 130 pounds, maybe. Wow. Towards wow. the end. Yeah. And then I think I was destined for suicide. I was really trying to kill myself for the last couple of months out there on the streets. I mean, I was in and out of being homeless and nobody wanted to talk to me anymore. And and I think I was about to do myself in when the phone call came in from from uh, my dad's neighbor. And he told me that my father was having this heart attack. And all of a sudden I had to make every promise to God that I would save myself if he would just save that relationship. And, 
that story is a deep one, but um, uh, not to get into it too far. Basically, you know, my prayers were answered and now I'm keeping those promises. See, wow. that, that's, that's your wake up call. That was your <laughs> yeah. wake up call. No, really. I mean, I've, I've known a lot of addicts in my life. I've lost several friends, uh, even one this year to drugs. Uh, yeah. Uh, one guy that was a regular at the bar, Jerry, right, Rob? Yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, close friend, and and I, I, you know, I knew what he was doing. Uh, he had a history of it. He had been sober for a long time, but I think the pandemic shoved him, shoved it over the edge for him. He you know, yeah. lost it. He was a stagehand, and he lost his job. And sometimes it just takes something like that to yeah. trigger it all, and it just comes back. And you know, he was trying to do what he used to do, and can't do that anymore. So. Yeah. You know, but if you get that wake up call like you did about your dad and you say to yourself, OK, I'm going to get straight if yep. you can, you know, if this happens and you do it, that's that's really something to to commend yourself for, Patrick. So, you know, that's amazing that you've been able to, to do that and that you did it. Really? Yeah. It, you know? um, Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no problem. Good. It's no good. Problem. I mean, still, I can definitely understand. You know, yeah, totally, what, totally grateful. I mean, ever since I quit, just the magic. I mean, one magical thing after the next. I mean, I can't even tell you that's that's what's so it's it's so exciting to get out of bed nowadays and just yeah. like the things that happen now are like things you would dream of when you were you know when you'd sit there on the couch getting high and not able to do shit. You always dreamed of having a life that like you wake up and you're so motivated to just get out of bed and face whatever. I mean, there's a million phone calls coming in every day and something else inching me closer to the to the to the to the promised land and that promised land is like 60,000 people at least three times a week and the people i got working <laughs> with us now are pretty damn pretty damn sure that we're gonna get there pretty quick man you should have seen the, the music video we we shot last night and i can't wait to share which it which you, song but, was this for uh, i'm not i can't even tell you okay it's, okay is it off the album or the new it's, stuff no, it's new stuff. We're, oh, okay. we're already venturing. Yeah, we, we released four four songs from the Spiritual Violence album, and right. we are and we are we are you know, the pandemic uh, for us was a great excuse to start getting creative. So while we were releasing Spiritual Violence and still working on the videos to 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 finish up that that uh, you know uh, quota there, we um, we just started writing together and started sharing all of these ideas. And I guess all of the downtime really had us getting just get together in a sense like we weren't actually together physically because a lot of us were scared you know two of the members were just completely on one side didn't want to get around anybody but we kept yeah. sharing stuff with 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 uh you know the internet and whatnot and working on stuff on our on our laptops at home on our recording equipment at home and then before we know it we had a, a few good enough tracks to like really think that we had some good songs and then uh you know we're working with some some new people and they encouraged us to go work with this producer uh, I can give you that one, Matt Good. This guy, Matt Good, who's just got probably five tracks on the top ten of any, you know, on the rock tracks. He's he's working so hard and he's so good at what he does. So, right. Uh, our attorney convinced us that we should go work on the new material with him, and we went out there, and we've never been so happy about something in our lives. And now we've come back, and we're we're hell on high heels trying to get the videos created for this new content that we'll be releasing. Like I said, starting. September 3rd, we'll release one. And then six weeks later, around Halloween, we're going to release another one. And that's the one we just filmed last night. So Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing that and hearing that. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the new album here, Spiritual uh, Violence. that yeah. came out in March. A couple of tracks I want to ask you about. Um, there is a song called Amber Alert. Yeah. That you do with <laughs> Carla Harvey of the Butcher Yeah. Yeah. 
how did how did that collaboration happen um Carla and I have known each other for a long time. We used to sit in her little white Corvette and uh, listen to our demos and be like, you know, oh man, these so cool. If we could, you know, be big rock stars and stuff, you know. And uh, I would encourage her like crazy, and she encouraged me like crazy. And uh, you know, the thing started happening with Lemmy and all that with the Butterside. And at the same time, she started kind of uh, blowing up like. She just came out of the gate running, you know, Butcher Babies took off and I was at every show in the beginning. She started out with like, I think four girls at the, like four front men, women up there and they would put this tape over their, over their boobs and and nipples. Right. Like, well, I mean, Butcher Baby is a plasmatic song, so you got to do that. Oh uh, man. Wendy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but like I went to their show and like the first thing Carla did, she came out and just slapped a guy straight across the face in the front row. And then like Heidi's spitting blood all over people. And they're like, yeah, hit me again, spit on me some more. And I was just like, holy (laughs) fuck. And I see some of the people that I'm even like, even now I'm working with these people now that were in the audience and I could see their faces lighting up and just the dollar bill signs going, you know, just spinning through their minds. And, uh, you know, the next thing, I mean, seriously, it feels like it was a week later, they were going out on the road with uh, Marilyn Manson, you know? (laughs) And uh, I think by the time they actually stepped onto that tour, they had already settled into the fact that it was just going to be her and Heidi fronting the band. And I think the band's gone out, you know, just like Butterside, it's gone through a hundred different people before they've settled into what now is a really comfortable outfit. Um, so watching her just, you know, catapult into success, has just been such a cool inspirational thing to watch. I couldn't be more proud of her, but she's real deal, man. She's my friend till the end. Like we always, you know, we, it's cool that we had that relationship way before either of us, you know, had any excuse to have an ego, which still, I don't think really either of us really do, but, but, um, when it, when it came time, you know, that this track, uh, was the last track to kind of get written i'd actually gone to see jay Baumgartner, our producer for spiritual violence and uh you know i was winging it i was kind of like you know if jay ever found this uh, he he actually he wouldn't care because everything turned out great but i didn't really have the tracks finished that like i promised i did you know what i mean i just knew we could do it and i went in right. and he agreed to produce the record and i was literally like kind of do like the one track was amber alert was turning out to be just so good and like everybody kept wanting to work on the vocals i was like i don't have any vocals I was like oh let's do that one later i got oh, let's do this one you know let's work on this one let's get another this one and this one's a little bit more done and just made every excuse and then finally uh this this beautiful woman came walking into the studio one day uh, a friend of jay's and uh i had just been going through an incredibly difficult breakup and i hadn't really been um you know excited about anyone uh since and this girl walked in and everything from the way she smelled to the way she looked to the way she talked i mean i just really got a big breath of her took a big breath of her in um for a few seconds i mean literally i saw her and then i sat on the couch and then she was leaving and as she's leaving i was like hey what's your name (laughs) Like, who are you? And she's like, I am Jay's friend. I live, actually, I think she was living. No, she wasn't living with Jay, but she was just like, I'm, I'm a good friend of Jay's. Uh, my name's Amber. And I'm like, Amber, huh? And she leaves and I'm like, you know, there, there wasn't a track on the record yet that was at all about, you know, girls or sex, anything sexy. Right. It was all serious, spiritual or whatever. It's really deep shit on there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, this was the excuse to write something about that, that kind of excitement. And I was filled up with it i thought wow 
what could it be like to be with this chick? Like she just seems so much larger than life. Like seems something so obtainable. She's just, she just carried herself that way, you know? And, uh, you know, I walked in and I said, Jay, who's that chick, man? You got to hook me up. And he was like, Oh no, no way. No way. Bad idea. Bad idea. Whoa. Amber alert. Like her name was Amber. The alert went off and it was like, there you go. Calling the track, you know? And then it was like, wrote the lyrics for it and it was so super sexy and like um i just was like carla i've got the track carla let's do this track together and she's like i'm all over it so um she showed up she laid down the devil and there you have it and then fast forward again into deep covid everybody scared shitless um i convinced her to uh to come out and do the video with us and that just video was great uh oh, right so yeah sick. It's, de- it's definitely yeah it's crazy it's definitely i mean she's yeah. sexy as hell in it too no she's you know? just amazing yeah. she's just hardcore real deal definitely definitely yeah okay so another song i wanted to ask you about was uh you have a, a featured guitar player on there the song pardon me yeah okay you got phil campbell from motorhead on that yes sir okay tell us about that song uh phil again just always just always a phone call. yeah just I love him to death. But it's like he's just, he's always, you know, even behind the scenes, he's just done so much for the group. You know, <clears throat> Help me get an endorsement from Marshall, <clears throat> Marshall Amplifiers. And just, I mean, that's just too little time. I mean, but he's always just been so supportive. So, you know, I told him that I'd written a track, uh, you know, uh, in, it's for Lem, you know. Um, <coughs> and he just came down and, and he laid it down. You know, he, he came in and he, he recorded it. Yeah. Okay. And then you did a cover of uh, one of my favorite people, Johnny Cash, who covered Folsom Prison Blues. Yeah. And uh, what made you want to do that? Uh, there's this black metal, death metal band called Ectomorph out of Hungary. Have you ever heard of them? <clears throat> uh, no, I don't think I have. Oh, they're so fucking great. What's, wait, what are they called? Ectomorph. Ectomorph. Yeah, check, check them out. out. E- I'm not sure. E- E-K-T-O-M-O-R-F. <laughs> yeah, I was um, they're so powerful. Uh, Zoli and I became really tight when uh, a secondary band of mine was traveling with them through Europe. We went on tour with them. Uh, and Zoli and I became close and I was diving into their uh, catalog. And lo and behold, this black metal band had like these four songs on an EP that were semi-acoustic. And they did a version of Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues. And it just took the arrangement and and it was close to what I ended up spinning. I was inspired so much by their version of it that I was like, man, you know, Zoli has this, he's got this Hungarian, uh, you know, accent and right. he sings, uh, he just sings with feel. He's not really a technical singer, you know, whereas me, I'm like a singer singer. You know what I mean? I try to like really kind of like get along with the melodies and really carry the notes and everything like that. And he doesn't give a fuck about any of that. He's just all about like being real and, and putting it down and, and it sounds kind of like Lemmy. I have to yeah. say, I could kind of compare uh, Zoli from Ectomorph to Lemmy in that regard. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a yeller, you know, just, yeah, growler. Yeah, just uh, really check out their shit because it's. I it's, will. I mean, we watched them from from on stage at Bakken. We played Bakken together. Uh, Butterside played with them there. Yeah, I was. And, I would have to ask you about Bakken. Okay. Yeah. Because I've I've, yeah. I've don't think I've ever met anybody that's played it. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, I have met Lenny, but it was many, many years ago before those festivals. Uh, but uh, what's it like playing that? Because I've watched a few of those, and those shows look insane. 
dude, it's nuts. Like, uh, yeah, like I was saying, just standing on stage with, um, you know, with ectomorph and he's up there and they're doing the job. Everybody's jumping. I mean, the whole fucking place, a hundred thousand people are jumping up and down or 80,000 people or whatever. Yeah. And Vakken there. And they're all going fucking absolutely ape shit. And, 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 and Zoli just says, wall of death, you know, and the whole place. Have you seen a wall of death before? Yeah. Yes. Okay, right. When the whole crowd just crowd. completely spit, split, spit. and then yeah. they face yeah. each other like it's a civil war. Right. And then the Crash. singer on the stage mm-hmm. says, go. And that Zoli did that. And when they do that, it looks like they are coming at each other, ready to kill oh, each man. other. Like, uh, yeah. you know, like infinity war, freaking the end game oh, thing man. at the end of that <laughs> yeah. movie. Holy They're all shit. running at each other and then they just collide. And it's like mosh pit on fucking on blue, you know, on yeah. crystal like thousand mosh pits at once. It's like, it's over yeah. the top. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, that energy, you listen back to the Johnny cash thing you know that their their inspiration led us to kind of arranging the song a little bit we kind of stole some of what they did and made it into our own and again lemmy huge influence johnny cash you know yeah he loves johnny cash yeah so uh, it was a no-brainer and then the first time we actually we've been playing that song with the johnny cash song the false blues and bruise out on tour and it's a funny thing it's like uh you know people your original music you're coming out you know some people don't know you you know, they're, they're getting into the music and then it's like, all right, let's let's give them something that they know. And you, you start in on Folsom Prison Blues, Prison Blues and everybody starts singing along. And then we jump into our version about halfway through the first verse and people just their freaking faces get melted off and and the roof blows off the place. And it's just the best thing ever. So when it came time to record, it was like, let's put that on the record and just put it to rest. You know what I mean? And then find the next thing, because it was definitely a must have on every every set that we did out on the road. Um, uh, and then yeah, Vakken, Lemmy, uh, the whole Vakken thing is yeah, that our our record label you know owns that festival, so uh, we got invited to that our first year oh, being I, together. I didn't know after that. that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, the guys, the UDR people over there, um, mm-hmm. they uh they brought us in. I mean, I mean, I don't know if they 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 own the entire festival. They're a big part of it, so it was that was a no brainer. Waking up there. Uh, going out on to the Vakken fields and like one day the label comes up and says, Hey, you want to film this, this video? And like <laughs> went out to the wasteland warrior part of that uh, festival, which you have to visit. If you go to the festival, there's part of the whole thing that's just gated off. If you've seen the genocide video from us, it's like all this post-apocalyptic um, it's just this huge way. They call it the wasteland and, okay. and it's, it's filled with the wasteland warriors and all of these guys dress up like they've really been, through you know a nuclear the apocalypse, holocaust the apocalypse yeah. yeah gotcha and, and they act like it and they walk i mean it's 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 like halloween on it but like like specific you know it's like it's like a dangerous like uh burning man you know what i mean it's like you're almost <laughs> you're in fear of your life like you know but uh but they're all so cool they're all they're really great and they were all super supportive and they jumped up into that video and yeah Vakken is a trip man um definitely awesome. yeah we're going back again i think next year we're already slated to do it again and yeah our, they haven't they haven't tender. done it since before the pandemic right like 2019 yeah. i guess maybe was the last time they had it yeah and we we did yeah. the live stream we went into the nrg and did the, the Vakken live stream 2020 was uh we did oh they did it. live stream in 2020 yeah okay yeah. I, I missed that i have to check that out yeah that was a cool one yeah that's cool and the last song i want to ask you about patrick is is the song things we do yeah. Okay. Uh, I know it's a very personal song for you. Uh-huh. Uh, has to do with addiction, and you know, uh, how is it when you've, 
you know, been through this, um, what's it like to write a song about it? Um, it's kind of not, it's pretty natural at this point, you know, there's just, yeah. uh, I'm breaking is, is, away. Is it, is, is it like a catharsis kind of like you're letting out feelings or you've been through it for so long already that it's not the same or what, well, what definitely, you... definitely with, with things we do, it was, uh, you know, the, the writing process for that was one foot in, in the addiction itself. And then the other foot was on sobriety. So it's like right. the song really got, you know, when I brought it into Jay, um, cause I've always loved that song, but it had kind of been sitting on the shelf, uh, you know, since I was addicted to dope and I sat in this drug den, which was actually my home, um, hunched over an acoustic guitar full of room full of junkies. You know what I mean? Everybody's nodding out and, and, you know, uh, sketchy and, and, you know, freaking you, you know, biting their nails, it's, you know, total tweaker place. Sure. <laughs> and, sure. and I'm writing this song in the depths of that, just like, you know, um, what had happened was I had joined a band called the outpatients, which was, uh, the, uh, founder of the group, uh, was West Arkeen who wrote, who wrote it's so easy and the garden and he was basically guns and roses it's so easy, guns right? And roses. Yeah, right yeah yeah so he was like he would tour with the group but like you never saw his face he was the guy in the background and probably mostly due to the fact that he was completely high and out of control himself but yeah but he was a, a phenomenal musician i mean he was just like wow and he wrote this record with the outpatients they recorded it in japan he released the record and his singer george od'd and died on him about about a about six months to a year before i met him so i met him and i joined his band and we started recording down at cherokee we were writing a song called the common shadow together we were recording it and he went home one night and died he od'd and died he had he'd had a horrible accident with like the fireplace and like he'd gotten some severe burns and I mean, that's enough for a guy in that situation to really push you over the edge. You know, he just wanted to relieve himself of pain. And I think he just pushed a little bit too much out of that needle and off he went to the other side. So I was going through all of that and I'm here back at my drug den and I'm trying to write this song and I'm trying to get it exactly like you just said. It's about getting it off your chest, you know, and I did a lot of that. I mean, I survived a lot of my addiction by processing everything i was going through with music so there was this there's all this documentation my I have demo after demo after demo still sitting in my uh you know cd catalog or my on my computer or whatever of all of these songs that you know they've got great phrases and and, and lines here and a riff here and and whatever there but but things we do is enough of a song that i brought it into jay after getting sober and i told everybody in that drug one day a, a chorus of children would, would play this this part of the song that I was trying right. to show them, and they all just kind of, yeah, right, whatever, Pat, yeah, well, you're gonna die, you know, you're gonna die, just <laughs> like all of us are gonna fucking die right here. You ain't gonna do shit, you know. That's some negative vibes way. right there, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, and there you are, years later, sober, watching this children's choir file into NRG to have Jay produce us into singing this part of the song that I'd written yeah. years before. And then we refined it. We figured out how the ending should go, how the energy should build and, uh, and nailed it, you know, and, and there it is. And then this, this great guy, this, uh, uh Argentinian guy, uh, you know, did this really simple, cool lyric video for it, uh, that, that uh, 
captures uh, a little a lot actually a lot of the sorrow it's pretty depressing actually <laughs> by the end of it you're like i remember watching it showing it to my brother for the first time and my brother's watching it with me and he's like oh no no the kid's gonna die the kid's gonna die uh, no yeah. that sucks and i'm like well that's what addiction is that's what reality yeah absolutely yeah i hope it you know hope somebody watches it and says fuck i gotta quit this shit you know I hear you. I, hear you. I got um, I got two, I got two questions real quick, uh, Patrick. Um, before we go, not... I want to hear. Before we go, I want to hear your Lemmy story too. You said you have one. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. Um, but um, I also got one. That, you know, the only time I ever saw Motorhead perform was in WrestleMania 17. Amazing. The entrance for yeah. Triple H. <laughs> That's when they yeah. were doing the game, right? Yeah. 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 But uh. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, how the hell do you get the ideas for these videos? Because the that one video, that genocide video with the people, it looks like something like um, Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's incredible. Like just the visual. Right? Like, do you do that? Is this your idea? Or do you have a director? How does that work on the videos? You know, it's it's crazy. So every single video we've had has been a brain spawn of mine. Right. I come up with an idea. Wow. Actually, the Zen video that we went, we went all the way to Japan to film the Zen video. Wow. And, and I kind of let the director run with that idea. And he came. I mean, we, we worked on it very much together to get the to get the idea refined to where I was happy with it. Um, and it had to relate to the song, of course. And that song, Zen, the name itself lends itself heavily to Japanese culture and all sure. of that. So that so that one worked out, um, you know. And the idea behind our videos for me is like when I look at it at the big picture, looking at it as a blank canvas, I want it like I always like to go and see James Bond movies because it starts out in like Europe, you know, in some tiny little town with cobblestone streets. And then yeah. in the next shot, you're, you know, skiing down the slopes like somewhere Boston, exotic. Yeah. yeah. And then and then in the next scene, you're freaking out in outer space. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I love the way that like you're taken from like there's definitely mm -hmm. a completely separate feeling from every single scene one to the next. So that's kind of like the idea with the videos, because while some of the subject matter and like, you know, my philosophies in life might definitely follow, uh, follow you from one song to the next. Um, each song totally has its own video ideas. And uh, I just kind of start thinking about like, what would be cool that would, that would still hold on to the story enough to like, you know, make you feel like you're, you're in inside of the lyrics can still relate to what you're seeing. But at the same time, let's not stick too hard to like the lesson of the song. Let's not get too, like not get too micromanaging about like, like right. let, let the creative creativity flow enough to like, let something really creative and visual come to mind so that, the, so that we can really entertain an audience. But the uh, genocide video was, 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 is the exception to this, this entire madness of my brain. And that is that, uh, like I said, we woke up at Vakken one morning. We, we had the show that night. We were on at like 6, 7 o'clock or something like that. Or maybe we were on at 11. Maybe it was a little later. And that gave us enough time that the, uh, the label, Motorhead Music, had the idea that let's take you guys into the Wasteland Warrior part of our, you know, uh, festival because like I said, it's gated off. There's not a single thing in that environment that's out of place from its you know, <laughs> genre, you know? So, so they literally said, let's do this thing. They dragged me over to the, and this is the first time I'd ever seen all of that shit. So they, they, they go through one gate and I didn't even know that shit existed. And all of a sudden, like, 
I'm a little scared. Like, I think I just peed a little in my pants. <laughs> and then they throw me up in a cage. And then, you know, they yeah. get over the loudspeakers and they're like, hey, everyone, we are going to record this video. Everybody join in and just get him. And so I'm in this cage and then all of these freaking amazing looking chicks with their mohawks and their yep. bullets around their, their, their waists and their guns and their hands. They're pointing them at me. They're pulling my hair. They're yanking at my clothes. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of a turn on. Like I, all of a sudden I was just psyched. And then the music comes on and they're cranking our song and that whole part of the festival. I mean, there's a good 20, 30,000 people right there just listening to our shit and they're all just getting into it and everybody just joins in. And it was like, I swear to God, it was like, they were all, well-trained actors because they just they just dug it they were like fuck yeah we're gonna get on film <laughs> this is awesome like and then they literally like followed us over to our performance that night so they caught all the all of the live footage from us that that evening and then uh you know they compiled the whole thing together and a couple months later got an email with the finished product and i was like fuck yeah that's insane. yeah it looks incredible man that other yeah. video that open relations video that was that looks great you guys look like so menacing <laughs> yeah yeah uh open relationship yeah again like i said the, the whole 007 thing i was like i want let's let's i want to i want the band to play on mars you know? yeah. <laughs> it was like and i found a guy that was crazy enough to say i can do it we can do it i was like <laughs> let's fucking do it you know yeah. and there we are there we are playing on freaking mars yeah, it's incredible it's like you got the bullheaded woman flying around and then yeah. You guys are like rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, chicks, you know, I mean, got to have beautiful women in every video. I mean, I, I can't imagine give, giving you a video where like, no. uh, I mean, actually, to be honest, there was, there's one that came along this. Uh, there's actually, no, yeah, I guess they've all kind of had a, some girls in it. You know I mean? Guys watching videos want to see girls. Girls watching yeah. videos want to see guys, you know, and then the LGBT community wants to see, you know, one or the other. So give them a little yeah. bit of everything, you know, but um. But yeah, there's one coming out soon that has uh, it's it's there's there's not a girl in it. Actually, you just made me think of that, and it's actually oh, it's just so beautiful. It's a great video. And then uh, the one last night we did a couple of girls, but I don't know if you can even tell that they're women after what we did to them. <laughs> oh, sounds like a movie that I might have seen back in the eighties or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> I can't I can't wait. I'm so excited about everything we're creating, and uh, I just I just uh, we're so close too. It's so crazy. It's like you know, it was what, how long ago it was March, April, May, June, July. It was only five months ago that we released this record. And, and like, we've just been, uh, I can't, we're just going to start an onslaught of, uh, of, uh, content and music, new stuff for you to check it out. It just so sounds like, like a very prolific time for you. You know, that's fantastic. I hope we connect with, uh, you know, I'm so excited that people like you are reaching out and, and asking about us and sharing the, you know, spreading the butter, man. <laughs> well, you know, we, we have two other podcasts we do, Pat. We have uh, a show called The Rock Show, okay, which I don't know if you had a chance to check any of that out. Uh, and then there's this one, which is The Rocker Mike and Rob Presents, which we do for interviews. We interview all kinds of people. Yeah. But with The Rock Show, you know, we we're always trying to find new music. Okay, we talk about a different band every week, all right, or different artists every week. And I'm always, you know, the show's been doing very well. And a lot of people have contacted us. People send me music that they're working on. And, uh, you know, I had a band uh, last week that out of uh, Portland that's playing their first gig. They've just been since the pandemic. They haven't been able to play out, but they formed during the pandemic and just got everything, you know, got their chops ready. 
and they're ready to start playing in October. They got a gig. So, you know, um, and that band is called the Plane Crash. Very uh-huh. cool band. Um, but, you know, I think that we've been through, you know, the, the country has, you know, been through hell and the world's been through hell with this. But, but I think that when we come out, out the other side, I think there's going to be a lot of creative stuff that has kind of percolated because we've had all the time to do it. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm hoping to see a, you know, me and Rob always joke around, you know, we'd love to see a new punk scene start in New York, you know, but yeah. it, it's, I don't know about that, but it may not be New York, but it may, it may be somewhere else. And uh, no, you know, it is. No, it's, you know, uh, you know, hopefully we can kind of be your, your conduit to that, your connection to that. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, everybody in the group now, my guys are all 25, maybe that's the average age in the band, you know what I mean? So we're right. all really connected to the scene and all of our friends are the friend. Our friends are bands like, you know, these guys in Don Broco and Bad Flower and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of bands that are really coming up super fast right now that like uh, I think the world really needs to know about. But uh, in the bigger picture, I mean, you look at like, you know, Billy Ellish and Miley Cyrus have both they've coming out with rock music right now, you know, yep. you know with the I, MGK I, thing, yeah. you know, it's like yep. they're, they're yep. coming out with real musicians. They're fronting the band like real rock stars. They're not right. like. You know, it, I think that a lot of the BS has dropped, and maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we can thank this whole, you know, the bright side so. of the whole COVID, this yeah. whole pandemic. You know, yeah. people want to be out there interacting with people, and that's what yeah. rock music is. It's like it's a yeah. feeling that you share with your audience. You know, unlike St- streaming is nice, you can get the music out there. It's you know, but you need to have that live connection with your fans. Yeah, and your bandmates, you know, and your bandmates, right? People, people are, you know, it's contagious when you're up there with some other people, and like you've been working on something together rather than just like, you know, like hip hop artists and you know a lot of pop artists. It's just like they're so alone. Like, how do they ever, how do they ever get? I don't know. There's a certain, there's a certain. A lot of that's fabricated. You know, it it, it is. I mean, not that those their fans aren't super. I mean, sure. Fuck, I've been to a Taylor Swift concert, man. I thought it was awesome. I went to, you know, there's been to a lot of, uh, you know, solo performance but but uh i do feel like rock is you know for lack of a better term making a comeback i don't think it ever left it's just like it went underground it, yeah. and, and and you know anytime in in the last 50 60 years when it's kind of gone underground it comes back harder so yeah, coming know, back, you, yeah it's coming back huge right now huge. i hope so i hope so yeah. i hope so now you yeah. mentioned your band butterside and you mentioned your mem- i'd like to just mention your members here uh um, yeah you got logan nicolik on guitar yeah. Uh, Sam Colton also on guitar. Yeah, you got, there. right, you got Gabe Majka. Is that how you pronounce Ma- it? Ma- Masca. Masca. I'm sorry. Yes, Masca sir. on bass. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Jeff Dubray on drums. Yeah. What a okay. group of guys. You said this is like the best lineup you've had. Yeah, they're my, I mean, they're the best people I've ever met. They just, we all mm-hmm. just like, it's, I feel like I was like, I feel like I was born to be with these guys, you know, there's nothing I won't do for them. And they know that, you know what I mean? I'm doing everything I can to get everything right for us. And, and they do everything they can to do right for us and for me. And they just, you know, they've, they've given me an outfit that I can, you know, there's, there's no other, I can't imagine being more proud or happy to be a part of something than, than I am with this. And, uh, you know, the support that we get from one another. And I mean, it's just like, we're constantly on, you know, whether it's memes or serious conversations or drama going on with chicks or, or whatever it is like, uh, you know, we've got a thread and our phones will pile up. If you leave our phone, if you leave your phone down on the table for, for an hour, you'll pick your phone back up and there's a hundred, 120 new messages from us, you know, cause wow. we're always just, 
It's like yeah. every idea we bounce off of each other and it never gets old. It's always funny. You know, we went out on tour already, uh, 2019, we headed out and, uh, we bought a, the buttermobile to our second, uh, our second RV and the damn, <laughs> the damn drive shaft shot out of the thing coming out of Indianapolis, oh, huge explosion. We had to downsize to a tiny little van. Uh, we didn't miss a show, but we were cooped up like crazy. And, and man, we never, I can't imagine having a better time than we had, you know? And if you can yeah. do that with guys, then you, I think, you know, that you've found something super special. Um, when we play live, you know, people, it's again, it's contagious. We just played Sunday night here in LA. The crowd was packed in people of all different, you know, walks of life were in there all getting along and having just such a great time together and feeding off the energy that we're putting out. So, um, I want to take this thing as far as I can go. And I hope the world is accepting of that. Fantastic. I think you go, I think you're going to do well. And, uh, you know, your enthusiasm is amazing. And, uh, I just, I like what I'm hearing. So yeah, you got to. Yeah. You should reach, you should reach out to the other guys because they're you know they're equally as enthusiastic. And I, I mean, will do that. I will. I will look for them. Definitely. They're all completely successful too in their own right. I mean, just to keep the bills paid. I mean, Sam's touring with bands that are headlining these you know huge festivals. You know, uh, right. Uh, and uh, Gabe is out there fronting uh, the this this uh, you know his own show in Vegas. He's playing like Kurt Cobain. He's playing guitar and singing that shit. You know, and owning it. Nirvana stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean all of us it's like if you if if i went to sleep for a week i'd lose them you know what i mean it's you got to keep these they keep us they keep me on my toes you know keep us rolling forward getting bigger and bigger every day that's great that's great so you want to hear my lemmy story i do okay i'll tell you my lemmy story back in january of 1988 um there was a show that joey ramon was putting on okay uh he used to put on shows around the city, different clubs, and he would just promote new bands and bring in some of the older bands, and everybody would jam and play. It was very cool. Uh -huh. And he had, he had something on Friday the 13th of January of that year called Joey Ramone Presents the Circus of the Perverse. Nice. And, yeah, it was awesome. He had everybody. He had, you know, Lemmy was going to be featured on bass, wow. uh, Cheetah Chrome, Michael oh. Monroe wow. uh, was on sax, Ronnie Spector, who I also met that night, was doing backup vocals. Um, you know, they had uh, white zombie played this before they were big, uh, mm -hmm. circus of power. I don't know if you remember them. Um, cycle sluts from hell. First uh, I remember. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and a bunch of, a uh, bunch of other bands played and I got there. Now I, in 1988, I was 19 and, uh, I wasn't really old enough to get in there. You had to be 21, but I had fake ID. So uh, I got into the club. <laughs> I didn't care in those days. It didn't look like me, whatever I got in. So did you get it from Playland? <laughs> I probably did. I know, I know I got a couple from there, fucking 42nd Street. Anyway, anyway yeah. so the, I was one of the first people in the club. And I went upstairs. I don't know if you were ever at the old Ritz, but in, in the upstairs area, it's almost shaped, it was shaped almost like a horseshoe. And in the front on the left side was a dressing room. And so I kind of was in that area, like leaning over the railing, looking at everything going down at the bottom. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, uh, this girl walks behind me with a basin full of beer. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, like she's carrying, she can barely carry it. Uh -huh. and, and I'm like, who the hell is that for? You know, and then a guy comes out of the dress room and it's Lemmy. Uh -huh. he's, like, he's like, thank you, sweetheart. You know, and he just... She, she puts it down on the table that's just right outside the door of the dressing room. 
and he sees me and he goes, Hey, you want a beer kid? <sighs> right. And I'm like, I, you know, the rock and roll <laughs> album had just come out. Okay. And, and, you know, I'd been into motorhead for years and I was like, Holy shit. So I go, yeah. Th- okay. So I sit down with him with this basin of beer. It's just me and him. And he gives me, he goes, which one you want? I said, ah, whatever. And he gives me a Carlsberg. It's like the first time I ever drank Carlsberg in my life. You know, it was with Lenny. And so he's like, you know, he's asking me what kind of music I like, what I've been listening to, you know. And, and I told him, I said, I've been playing the hell out of the rock and roll album, you know. And, and yeah. he's like, it's, oh, thank you. He goes, I wish we sold a little more, you know. Right, and I'm like, right. yeah, you know. He, and, and, you know, he just, just was a nice down-to-earth conversation. Yep. You know, regular guy, uh, yeah. gave me a beer. You know, and I'll never forget that. You know, that's that's my Lemmy story. How just can was, you how can yeah. you ever forget? That's so cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Those and are I, the days. Now you now you get arrested for something like that. For Mike, right. you you heard on, Mike, you heard on Charlie's Kelly Lemmy story, right? No, about Roseland. I don't think so. No. So Lemmy goes to Roseland and he goes up to the dope man. He doesn't have a ticket. He want to go see the Red Hot Chili Pepper with Pray Roseland. Right. And Charlie Kelly was this ticket scalper. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, and he goes to the bouncer. Do you know who that is? That's Lemmy from Molohead because Lemmy didn't want to make a big deal. And the guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They just let him right into Molohead <laughs> to see the concert. <laughs> it's good to be Lemmy. It's good to be Lemmy. That's true. That's but true. the bouncer had no idea who he was. It was pretty funny. Yeah, wow, wow. So, Patrick, you've got a couple of dates coming up with Buttersod, I see here on your website. Um, yeah. September 4th, the Ritz Theater in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Hell and yeah. September 5th at the Rocklahoma 2021 Festival, right? That's, that's right. It, that's in prior Oklahoma. So I guess like a lot of bands are going to have to play the South first, really, while we're opening up, because they're mostly the places that are open. They're going to have to play what? Uh, am I right that most of a lot of bands are going to be playing the south first i've been seeing that oh like right. it's it seems like that you know the southern states are in the middle midwestern states are really opening up with the venues before anywhere else yeah i think they had a, a leap on it i think only because you, you had a lot of less case i mean whatever it really less was cases but, or whatever right yeah. yeah i mean you know as soon as you leave california and you head east or you leave new york and you head uh west you know what i mean you start it's a different world yeah it is a totally different world i mean uh I don't know, you know, one not not one way or the other, but yeah, it does seem like they they started like kind of they they're going for it, you know, out there first, right. and uh, but it's it's spreading out. I haven't seen them cancel. There's there's some stuff happening in California. There's a few festivals happening out here. I haven't seen them canceling anything yet, um, but you know who knows? I mean, I, I can't imagine that the world is ready for another lockdown. I think I think no. we're ready to tell them that you know we'll, yeah, we'll all yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll, let's take I think the everybody, risk. Everybody's had enough of it, you know. Yeah, right, I mean, if we're right. get we've had some coming. outdoor shows here. Uh, we, I've been to some of the shows in Tompkins Square Park, some of the punk hardcore shows that uh-huh. come back. I think, you know, some yeah. of the old, older bands have played. I saw Murphy's Law recently there. It was that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, you know, but as far as the venues yet, they haven't really started opening. Yeah, but right. Madison Square Garden had that thing with the Foo oh, Fighters. Yeah. That's right, the Foo Fighters did play. I forgot. Yeah, MSG. Yeah. yeah. With all the you need to be vaccinated, yeah, it's kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah, Dave Chappelle yeah. came out singing, um, singing uh, Radiohead, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that looked like it went off, right? They did like that whole Bee Gees thing and all that crap. So fucking cool. Like, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. I mean, if that's not the dream, that's, you know, and those guys oh, walk that stuff every day. Yeah. It's so great. Damn, damn. All right. So I want to thank you, Patrick, for coming on. Patrick Stone of Butterside. And yeah. uh, we're going to keep in touch. Me. You're welcome. You're very welcome. And uh, we're going to keep in touch. I'm going to reach out to your band members. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. When you, when you have... Uh, this new material ready to come out. You said maybe September. Definitely let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll have you on. We can promote it a little bit. We'll talk about it. Hell yeah. Okay. Would you like to do that? Of course. Yeah. Let's, right. have, the, uh, let's have the other guys too, man. You, you yeah. Us, we, we could do us. it. We could have a couple people on. Yeah, definitely. No yeah. Problem. Let's have some laughs, man. You get us all together and it's, it's a lot more fun than I'm. So if I just babble on, I'm too serious. <laughs> these guys keep these, these, we'll crack some jokes and have some fun for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So thank you very much, Patrick Stone. All right. Michael and Rob, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. All right, you too.